So talented. All right, if you have a Bible, join me in Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. I, I, I recognize that there's a handful of students and uh, table leaders and adults and all sorts of folk in the room who have not been with us all weekend long. So we're going to kind of kick off with a little bit of a, of a recap of where we've been. And, uh, and then we kind of want to land the plane, so to speak, of the whole weekend by focusing on uh, developing digital habits. So uh, what are... What, what do we do now? Now that you've learned about technology and the Christian life, now that you've learned about the, the, the great power and formative power that technology has on us, now that we've talked about the, the role of wisdom, what does that look like now as we leave this place? So, uh, so first, just give you a, kind of a recap. If, if you are, have you been here this weekend, this is just rehearsal material. We learned that God is God over all things, including technology, right? He is sovereign over all. And if he's sovereign over history, if he's sovereign over civilizations and progress itself, then there is nothing that has been developed by human hands that has caught the Lord by surprise, right? He is orchestrating all things in creation for his glory. And so we shouldn't be afraid. Our, our default stance towards what's going on in the world shouldn't be fear, but recognition that God is in control. And we learn that technology has a gospel of itself to say. So we learn that kind of the sin issue that technology tells us is our real problem is we're just not efficient enough. We're just not productive enough. We're just not powerful enough. And if we can just harness the power of our minds and harness the power of some kind of device or, or invention, then we can overcome all of our limits. And we don't have to have any more issues ever again. We recognize that that, that desire to, to uh, cure all of our problems with our own uh, capacities is the same thing that landed Adam and Eve outside the Garden of Eden. They believed the lie that they didn't need God for life. We don't want to follow in their footsteps. So we need a better gospel. We need a better word that tells us that, yes, our sin is great, but our Savior is greater. And he has come throughout history, time and space, in a particular time, in a particular place where there were particular inventions and cultural realities that brought Jesus Christ to a wooden cross so that he might take on the curse of sin for us and for our salvation. Then yesterday, uh, Kevin covered a large amount of ground with you guys where he started to begin, started to begin. He talked about in the beginning uh, the idea that technology is uh, a gift of common grace. It's a blessing that all human beings receive. So the fact that we are in a building with electricity and insulation and air conditioning that sometimes is more or less on, uh, we recognize that we are beneficiaries of a gift. And yet, the world distorts these gifts, right? And so we talked about the chaos of this global distortion that happens when sinners take these good gifts and use them for wicked purposes. Well, that leads us to the need then for wisdom, which if you've picked up by now is, is kind of the real theme of the weekend, right? Like technology is just the, the, the shiny coat of paint that gets you looking, but wisdom is what we really need. We need to know not just how to, to think, but how to live in the world, right? I think that illustration that, that Kevin used yesterday from J.I. Packer is so great. The, 
that knowledge is me driving down the road and seeing the curve in the road, but wisdom is knowing when to turn and actually doing the turning so that I don't careen off the side of the hill. And then we landed on living in a technological world. Last night, he uh, put before you a ton of different things that happen when we find ourselves inundated by technology, whether that's the constant drip and input of the noise of the world that is really, really hard to shut off, or it's that feeling of being out of place, right? We talked about how if we're not thinking, if we're not careful, we're going to pay all kinds of costs that we're not ready to pay, if we're honest. We don't really want to pay, and we shouldn't pay, right? So that leads to some course correction, right? And kind of the the banner passage for the weekend, for Kevin especially, has been Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. You'll see that on the screen. And again, we'll just, we'll just read it to you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. So in our whole life, no matter what we're doing, no matter where we are, no matter what sphere we're in, we don't want to walk as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Creation is broken and our hearts are broken. And so there are things and powers and principalities that war against us. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So we know we need wisdom in order to live and engage in this world, this technological world. But what do we do? What do we do? So you should be in Proverbs chapter 3. And we're going to start in verse 5. This is a very, very familiar passage. We're just going to read this together. You'll, you'll see it on the screen as well. Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. In this passage, Scripture is calling us to a better way of life than the way of life technology is calling us to. If we're not thinking, if we're not careful, the the allure of the world and uh, social media developers and video game creators and TikTok influencers, they are, they are pulling our hearts in a certain direction. God's word, however, may be pulling us in a different direction. I have a friend who um, was a grader for a professor one time, and uh, this grader, this buddy of mine, he was grading these, uh, maybe you don't know this, in college, professors often don't grade papers and tests and things like that. They have like a grad student who does that for them. And so he gives them the answer key. He gives them all these things. He says, here's how, here's how you would grade this rubric or whatever. And this, this guy was, was grading these tests and it's, a, it's an undergraduate class. It's a bunch of college students and they keep missing a certain question. And so at some point, maybe you've never thought about this, but at some point, like if a lot of people miss a question, that's one thing. But if everybody misses the question, then maybe it's not the question, right? Maybe it's the professor like didn't cover that in class or like they just missed that in the notes or something has happened to where they all are missing this one particular thing. And so this, this grader goes to the professor and he says, 
Um, hey, like everybody is missing this question. Like, what's up with that? Like, was it worded wrong? It, was it not in the notes? Was it not in your lecture material? Like, why are they all missing this? And he said, man, the thing you got to remember about these college students is that they're idiots. They're idiots. They're not thinking all the time. They're not paying attention all the time. There's things that I say that none of them will get. Now, I say that to say it's kind of a little tongue-in-cheek story, but here's, here's the point. You and I think that we have got our lives way more figured out than we do. You and I think that we have this kind of roadmap to success and glory that we might have dreamed up when we were kids that we're still trying to figure out. Or, or maybe you have this kind of plan in your mind of this is what I'm going to do and this is what I'm going to achieve and this is how I'm going to do it. Or maybe it's these are the kind of relationships that I'm going to form. And you think that you have this kind of like puppet master-like control over the things of your life, and you don't. Not only that, you think you have vision that is so clear that you might see into the future that you know what you need. Not even what you need. You think you know what you want, and you don't. We are dim-sighted. So we need light. We need God to shine in our hearts, to shine in our world, so that we might see and know what is true and right and good. This is what the this is what the scripture is saying here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. If you've never gotten to the point in your walk with Jesus where you've had to make a decision that you personally didn't understand to be right, then, then I'm not sure that you've ever actually been confronted with what this verse is getting at. It's one thing to agree with someone when you, to do some, what somebody's, somebody's asking you to do when you agree with them. It's another thing to follow their lead when you're like, ah, oh, but I think that's a better route. The other, following this person, following this Lord, that requires trust, that requires humility, that requires this recognition that maybe I don't have as clear a vision as I think I do. And here's the point. That is true in spades when it comes to all of us and technology. Because not only do we not know our devices and the pull of those things uh, in the ways that we ought to know them, we fail to recognize that, again, technology is not neutral. There's a person on the other side who developed that app, who created that game, who is promoting that certain meme or that certain cultural thing for a purpose. And we often forget that. So we need to recognize where we are. So in the remainder of our time together, we're just going to think about how we might trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not in our own understanding, acknowledging God as we walk through using technology. Again, verse 7, be not wise in your own eyes. We're pursuing wisdom that comes from God this weekend. Not wisdom that's me hanging around with my 13-year-old buddies and figuring out what's best. You don't know what's best. You don't even know what's good. Right? Like, you have, and that's not, a, that's not a knock on you. That's just to say wisdom is cultivated over time. And so what we need is people who have gone ahead of us. We need people like our moms and our dads that God has given us 
for a very specific purpose so that we might be raised up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. They've given, they've, they've received you as a heritage from God, as arrows to be drawn back and shot into the world for his glory. Don't miss this. You have a gift when you go home today because you are living with people day in and day out who are by basically any measure more wise than you. That doesn't mean you just stay foolish. It means you want to grow in wisdom. So um, how do we do this? How do we actually pursue what the, what the scripture says in verse eight would be healing to our flesh, refreshment to our bones? What, would it, what are we going to do that's going to give us life? So I have a couple of things just to say. This is probably really more practical than I'm comfortable usually talking about, but I just want to give you some really practical things about when you leave this place, what are some things to be thinking about? What are some things to be doing? So kind of first, if you're taking notes, the first thing we're talking about is take back control. Take back control. If you have a device, if you have a smartphone, if you have a game console, if you have a computer, if you have something that gives you access to the internet or to the world, you need to take control back from your devices. Often, you get something like an app or a game, and it's going to ask you some questions and say, hey, can we like notify you when things happen or when things pop up? And you're like, sure, 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 sure. And that's what leads to Andrew having 44,000 emails in his inbox. Where is he? I mean, what in the world, man? Yeah, 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 yeah. The other Andrew. Yeah. We need to take back control of our life from our devices. I talked about this with our guys yesterday at the Q&A, but I think it bears repeating to, to you girls as well. Let me give you just a really clear example of what I mean. I'm not on Be Real, not because it's like absolutely terrible. Like, that's fine. If you have it, that's great. I hope you enjoy it. I hope it's a fun thing that you can do with your friends and interact with people. But, but here's, here's the thing that I've seen that kind of concerns me, okay? You could be doing anything with any level of intensity or serious. You could be with any kind of person or group of people. You could be studying for a test or doing something like that. And when that notification goes off that it's your time to post, you will drop everything and say, what can I do in the next 30 seconds to cultivate and curate, let's be honest, not the real version of who you are, but the best version that I can be in the amount of time that I've been given. And when I say best, it's not like the cleanest or the prettiest. You might be going after funny. You might be going after goofy. You might be, but you have in your heart a desire that says, when people see me, I need, to, I need them to see me like that. So I'll drop everything. It's not like I'm like, putting my makeup on and I get the notification and my hair's all wet and everything's crazy and nothing is organized and I just go, oh, no, 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 no. You're going to organize things and make sure, like, you're going you're gonna to curate reality. And when you curate reality, you are no longer in reality. You are in a fantasy. So that's just one humble opinion about a concern I have. And, and, and it's not just be real, right? There's all kinds of apps, games, things like that, that when they call, it's like Pavlov's dogs, right? You know that story that you ring, they ring the bell and 
they, every time they ring the bell, they feed the dogs food, and they ring the bell, and they feed the dogs food, they ring the bell, and then it turns into the ringing of the bell causes the dogs to just salivate because they've, they've connected in their brains that when the bell rings, I get fed. There doesn't have to be any food in the room anymore. When they ring that bell, the dogs just start salivating. And my concern is we've given ourselves over to technology in such a way that when that notification bell hits, our hearts start to salivate. And we don't even know why. So we need to take back control from our devices. Tweak your phone to not talk to you all the time. This is especially as it relates to notifications, right? So if you, if you take a look at my phone, again, I'm not, and I don't, I'm not one to say that I'm like nailing this, but you take a look at my phone. I have very, very few apps that can actually like notify me. Unless it's like for work or my family or like text messages, that's basically it. Like social media, I have to like go find it to figure out like, oh, somebody commented on a post. That's cool. I don't post anyway. So if they commented on something I posted, it's from four years ago. And that's weird. Uh, like, I don't even know if I want to know that. But especially to your notifications, we need to tweak our phones to take back control. And we need to ask ourselves a question. When you feel the impulse to go to whatever is drawing you, game, app, to your phone itself, ask yourself the question, why do I want to do this right now, honestly? Why do I want to do this right now? Let's say I was just doing something else and I just get the urge to go check Instagram or the urge to go check my B-Reel or the urge to go check TikTok or whatever it is. Why? You can have totally fine reasons. You can have totally goofy reasons. Right? Maybe the reasons why you want to go do those things is because you know that if you spend enough time on there, you might be enticed by things that you probably shouldn't be enticed by, but it's kind of this like happy accident. Like, oh, I'm not looking for it, but there it is. Ask yourself the question, why do I want to do this right now? All right, so take back control. That's one thing we need to do. And again, this is a great thing to talk about with your mom and dad. How mind-boggling would it be to your parents if you go to them and say, mom, dad, I want you to help me not be so attached to my phone. Are there some ways that you can help me do that? They would be like, what did they tell you at Fuel? Like, what is going on? Who are you? Right, because if you're like any other normal teenager, the question is, the questions that you're asking your parents are, is not, hey, how can you basically make this more limited in my life? Basically, the, the, most likely the questions are more like, how can you give me more? So that would just really throw them for a loop. You should totally do that. All right, next thing is great places to go. Great places to go. Technology, as we've said all weekend long, is a wonderful, amazing gift. It is a blessing. I'll just give you one example, maybe not super interesting for you, but super interesting for me. I have an app on my phone called Logos. Logos is the Greek word for word, and it's a basically a digital library and a Bible study software that I use in my office all the time for sermon prep. So when I'm preparing for a sermon, one of the first things I'm going to do is fire up Logos and open up. I have, humble brag, I have thousands of commentaries and books on theology and books on languages and books on Christian living and devotionals and language tools. And it's all in my pocket. 
Like I can just open this app and search Proverbs chapter three and everything I own is just going to go. What do you want to know? You want to know about this verse? You want to know about that verse? You want to know about it from 1300s? You want to know about it from the 1800s? What do you want to know? You want to know it in Greek? You want to know it in Latin? You want to know it in Hebrew? You want to know it in Aramaic? What do you want to know? I have a kind of access to biblical knowledge and scholarship that if I go back even 50 years to a biblical scholar or theologian would say, that is magic. That's not like technology. That's, that's wizard stuff. Like, what are you doing, right? So maybe Lagos is not your cup of tea. Like, maybe that's not what you're thinking about. But it's just an example to say there are so many wonderful things. So let me just give you a couple of things that you need to be aware of that I just want to recommend to you. Uh, so there's three, three up front that's kind of how it relates to us ingesting Scripture. The first one is called Dwell. If you've never used Dwell before, let me just encourage you to check it out. It's an audio Bible, but it's set in a really, really awesome way. They have a ton of different uh, voices. They have a ton of different music. They have reading plans that, that read things to you. They give you time of reflection. So like if you're running to listen to a large section of Scripture, after every chapter, you can say, hey, give me a minute to just like listen and wait and pray, and then it'll move on. I use this regularly. It's awesome. Like dwell is super, super cool. Um, especially for somebody who may be like moving or like, com- like if you commute or if you like drive to school or whatever, if you're listening to headphones, like that's a great way to get the Bible in your system, right? The next one is called verses. And I use this every day, every other day, regularly when I'm being faithful. Uh, but verses is the app that I use for scripture memory. So, so verses is, uh, It takes Bible verses and it gives you a handful of different kinds of games, like matching games, fill in the blank. You type things out using one word, one letter, uh, the first letter of each word. It is super helpful. If you're thinking like, hey, in 2023, I want to memorize some scripture. If you're in foundations with our high school students, we're memorizing Romans 8 in the spring, right? I'm using verses to memorize Romans 8 with you, right? So you can join me in doing that. This is just another example of how technology can be leveraged for good for those of us who love Jesus and want to know him more. And I just have Bible apps in general right here. I mean, there's a thousand of these. It's the ESV Bible app or version or uh, whatever it is you, you want to use. But here's my recommendation. If you find a Bible app, find a Bible app that can take notes. One of the things I love about Logos, the, the app that I use for Bible reading and study, is I can make notes on all of the verses. So now... I can go search and say, anytime I listen to a sermon or anytime I go do Bible study and I want to write something down, I can go back and see, and I can see the dates of like, oh man, six years ago, Brother Al preached on this text and this was the big idea that I took home. Now that I'm reading it in my Bible reading plan, I can remember that. It's not in some notebook somewhere. Now, if you're a print notebook kind of guy or gal, that's great, fantastic. I'm just saying, this is an opportunity that technology gives us to collect all of these things together. Uh, This one's for free. It's not on the screen, Um, but it's this idea. Your brain is really, really good at creating ideas and receiving ideas. It is terrible at storing them. So what you need is something like an app or, or a notebook or something like that that you can take things down to remember and to keep. All right, two more things. Uh, Covenant Eyes and Accountable to You. These are, these are very, very similar things. This is accountability software. So, For every one of us in the room, uh, it may be, it is very prudent and very wise to consider, maybe with mom and dad, 
hey, I, I, I know that my heart right now in its sober moments when I'm thinking clearly hates, hates the idea of running into the dark places of the internet to gratify the desires of my flesh. But that's a different story when I'm in the dark. And so maybe in my sober moments, I'm thinking I need something. I need a guardrail that might help me when I feel weak, when I feel tempted. So again, boys, we talked about this yesterday morning a little bit, but girls, you as well. There's, there's wisdom in finding software and applications that connect your uh, use of the internet to someone else. So it's not going to stop you necessarily. It's going to let you go wherever you want to go, but somebody is going to get a notification that, hey, this is where this person has been. So again, our primary motivations for holiness and for righteousness should be because we love God and we want to honor God and we want to please God. But if we can all be honest in the room, some days our love for God is weak. We don't feel like being faithful. We don't feel like being holy. In fact, we feel like being the opposite of that. And so when my primary motivation, when my primary love is weak, I need secondary motivations and guardrails to keep me on the path of righteousness. That's being wise, not in your own eyes, but before the Lord. That's trusting in the Lord with all your heart. That we can look all through scripture and say that God gives us companions and friends and brothers and sisters to encourage us and to hold us accountable and to pull us up out of sin. This is just a digital version to fulfill those ideas. So if you don't have that, I would highly encourage you to consider that with mom and dad. Say, I want to be holy all the time. I want to be righteous. God, help me. Mom, dad, help me. Are these some tools that might help me well? Okay. All right, another thing we need to discuss is, uh, just to be aware of, is using technology as, as medicine or, or medicating with technology. I don't think, the, probably the vast majority of you don't think about technology as medicine, but often we use technology to medicate. So remember, I don't have it on the screen, but if you remember, Kevin yesterday read this quote from Neil Postman. It was kind of a weird quote that said something like this. Every time a new invention is created, there's an idea embedded in it that goes farther than the original purpose. Remember, he used the, 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 the illustration of eyeglasses. Eyeglasses were invented so that people who can't see can see, right? But the idea behind that that is embedded in it that wasn't intended but is nonetheless there is, hey, if you have bad vision, you don't have to live that way anymore. You don't have to live with what nature has given you in eyesight, you can overcome it. You can actually do more than you could before. You don't have to live that way anymore. The, the inventor of the eyeglasses wasn't probably thinking very philosophically like that, but there it is nonetheless. And in the same way, you and I have access to games, apps, social media, people on the internet, influencers, that if we're not careful, we will, we will categorize in our hearts as medication. Here are some ways that we find ourselves in need. Sometimes we're really busy. Let's be honest, this is me sometimes. Have you ever like felt so busy and overwhelmed with all the things that you want to do that you just like want to go watch Netflix? Like, you're like, I have 17 things to do in the next hour. I think I just want to like watch YouTube videos. And like we say that out loud and we're like, that's insane. Like that's absurd. That makes no sense. But it's a way for us to escape 
the, the busyness of our world. So we medicate with technology to escape the, the feelings that we get when we feel overwhelmed and busy. That's not what technology is for, right? We want to be careful in using technology in the right ways and not the wrong way. So we don't medicate with technology when we're busy. How about when we're bored? So busy on one end, bored on the other end. We're just sitting around, nothing to do. Now that's not true, is it? There's probably 10,000 things that you can do that would be helpful and productive and probably would please your mom and dad. But you're like, huh, what am I going to do now? I guess I'll just scroll on Twitter. I guess I'll just look at YouTube videos. And here you are like two hours later going, how many shorts did I watch? Like, how did I get from here to there? That's crazy, right? Like we just lose time because we're bored. There are a few things more dangerous to the world than bored young people. They're liable to do all kinds of crazy things. So we need to recognize when we find ourselves in in kind of the state of boredom, of not knowing what to do, not feeling motivated to do anything, don't medicate with technology in order to remove the kind of uh, emptiness that you feel when you feel bored. Instead, think of some things that you know to be good and right and true at any point of your life. Uh, Kevin mentioned to our guys uh, the other day, when we're finding ourselves struggling with maybe a temptation, one of the great ways that you can overcome that or find victory in it is to be memorizing scripture. Because if you have scripture memorized in your mind, no matter where you are, no matter what temptations come, you can put your brain in another neighborhood. You can stop dwelling on that temptation and start dwelling on something that you know is good and right and true. The same is true for our actions. When we find ourselves bored, what if you go to mom and dad and say, mom, dad, I want you to help me think through what are three or four things that can kind of be my, my default setting if I find myself bored? So what if feeling bored became a trigger in your heart not to run and escape to social media or run and escape to video games or run and escape to YouTube or whatever it is, but to run to the scriptures or to run towards memorizing God's word or to run toward prayer? It works the same way, doesn't it? We feel this trigger, a feeling, an emotion. We have a response. The response is we go to this game, we go to this app, we go to this thing. What if we replace the response? What kind of things do you think would be cultivated in your heart and in your life if instead of medicating with technology, you medicate with the means of grace? I don't think we can imagine Here's another way we medicate using technology, when we're lonely. When we're lonely. All of us feel lonely at times. There have been study after study after study that says your generation is without question by country mile the most connected generation of human beings that has ever existed. And you are also the most isolated and lonely. Now make that make sense. And the reason is, is because we believe that what we talked about last night, that difference between mediated communication and unmediated communication, right? Mediated being there's something in between us, whether it's a phone or a letter or a, a telephone or FaceTime or whatever it is, versus unmediated communication, me, you, face-to-face, -face, in the same room, physically close to one another, 
We believe the lie that mediated communication can be a stand-in for relationship compared to unmediated presence. The reason why you feel so lonely sometimes is because you've never really developed relationships right here. You've developed relationships here. And this is not sustainable to your heart. So when you're lonely, don't run to technology to medicate by finding people that you have imagined I have a real relationship, but maybe just one-sided because all you do is watch their videos. When you're lonely, don't run to this video game to escape the real world where no one talks to you or no one is checking in on you to being the hero that everybody wants to see and know and be helped by. Instead, what if when you find yourself triggered with loneliness or feeling alone or out of place, you reach out, ideally trying to find a place, a, a way to be face-to-face in person with somebody, but at the very least, talking to someone at the same time. What if you called a friend or a family member or a lo- another loved one? What if you tried to FaceTime that person and just have a, a conversation with them right there in that moment? What if you went to a brother or sister and said, hey, will you pray for me? I'm just feeling really lonely. The level of our relationship to one another is going to correspond to the level of vulnerability we're willing to have. And if all of us struggle at times with loneliness, we shouldn't be surprised when a friend comes to us and says, I feel lonely. That's not a critique on your friendship. That's not you saying, ah, well, you haven't done enough. That's why I feel so lonely. You haven't checked in on me. We all feel that way at times. We don't need to run and escape. Next, craving. We medicate with technology when we crave. Now, that's a broad term, crave, but it's, it has behind it this kind of like unthinking desire. This unthinking desire. This I'm not deliberating and thinking through what I want and why I want it. I just want something and I want it now. Whether it's affirmation or pleasure or pride to be seen as strong and powerful, to compare ourselves and to be found better than the people we're comparing ourselves to, We all have these kinds of cravings. We don't medicate using technology to satisfy those cravings. Instead, we take every thought captive and say, Jesus, why am I still trying to find validation and identity when you've already given it to me? Why am I seeking for pleasure in places that will only bring me pain. Sin is good for a moment. I mean, that's why it's so attractive. It, it feels good in the moment. But it's like drinking salt water. The more you drink of it, the more thirsty you will get. The more you have to consume to satisfy your thirst, the more recognition that you've come to realize I'm even more thirsty than before. Don't go there. Don't go to technology. Don't go to social media. Don't go to video games to satisfy the cravings that your heart 
desires. Ask the question, why am I desiring these things? So we don't use technology to medicate. All right, a couple more things. Then we got we to gotta really get done. Silence and solitude. How are we going to develop digital habits? We need to develop this one. Silence and solitude. What if one day a week, for those of you who have phones, you didn't. Like what if for one day a week, what if it's like Sunday? I don't know. But one day a week, you left for your you left for church or you left whatever, phones on the nightstand. And as soon as I say that, I think some of you are going like, I don't know how logistically possible that would be. Like I'm thinking through all the people I communicate with. I'm thinking all the, re- the ways that I use my phone. I'm thinking about all this, that, and the other thing. Okay. What if one afternoon a week? What if one morning a week? Let, let's, just, let's just at least start having the conversation. What if I start intentionally taking time to schedule saying, I'm going to be hard to reach so that I can be quiet? And not like physically audibly quiet, but quiet from the noise. One of the things that we do on staff that that I find unbelievably refreshing every time I do it, and then every time I go to do it, I'm like, I just don't know why I need to do this. It's 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 hard to plan, it's 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 an inconvenience, it's I can think of all the reasons why I would rather do something else than what I'm about to say, but every time I do it, I go, uh, I needed that so badly. We do these things once a quarter called Q days. And we take, we have to take a six hour chunk to be impossible to reach, except for like our family, right? So we go off somewhere. I've, I've been known to hole up at like the top floor of the university library. Um, and we just get alone and quiet with God and his word. Turn your phone off, shut down all the notifications, do not disturb, whatever it is. And you just spend time in the quiet, reading God's word, praying, writing, just being with him, being in solitude with God. That may sound like a foreign concept to a lot of you, and that's okay. But I'm, I'm highly encouraging you as it relates to your life connected to digital technology this is a good practice that regularly you would take time to turn off the noise, to to look around and to see the people around you, to consider putting limits on your phone. Get this, this is wild. Consider putting limits on your phone, not just in those times of solitude, but throughout the week. Consider putting limits on your phone and on your phone use that might even be more strict than what your parents require. Like we've already talked about like freaking your parents out. What if you came to them and said, hey, I know that you say that I can get like an hour a day on social media. What if we just did like 30 minutes? Again, I think they would be stunned. But I think it would lead to some really good conversation. Son, why do you want to do that? Well, I recognize that social media has more of a pull on me than I'm, I'm comfortable to admit. And I think maybe a good way to, to kind of wean myself off of that is to just be on there less. What do you think? You know what that sounds like? That sounds like wisdom. That sounds like maturity. That sounds like learning that you have some needs. And sometimes that means making hard decisions. 
in order to be holy and righteous. All right, uh, openness and honesty. And we've already talked about this in a lot of different ways, but just, let me just hammer this point home. You do not have to live in the dark as it relates to your technology. You really can live out in the light. Now, some of you feel like you can't live in the light because what you do in the dark on your devices is shameful and wicked and condemnable and led Jesus to the cross. I don't mean to be like super hyperbolic about this, but we need to call a spade a spade. Sin is horrendous. And the idea that you can sin in the dark and think I'm getting away with this is the height of foolishness and arrogance. God's word says your sin will find you out. Now I say that as a warning to you but also as an invitation to you. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us are in need of God's grace and his mercy. All of us have an equal footing before the cross of Christ to receive redemption from our sins and life. So what if those of you in the room who might be struggling with a pattern of sinful behavior, or let's just be honest, some of you are not even struggling, your conscience has been seared by your sin. But maybe by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, you in your sober moments right now recognize that it is sin nonetheless. What if you go to mom and dad and say, I need help. I need help. I didn't mean to get to this point. I wasn't looking for these kinds of things, but here I am and I need help. I'm not saying there won't be consequences but confessing your sins is wise. And confessing your sins to those who can really help you to work to overcome your sin is more wise. You can live in openness and honesty. Go to mom and dad. Cultivate a godly fear that leads you to run to holiness and run to righteousness and run to Jesus. Not a sinful fear that lead you to cower in the garden like Adam and Eve when God was looking for them. Two more things and then we're done. Delete, unsubscribe, clean. Delete, unsubscribe, clean. There's so many things on your phones. There's so many things on your game consoles. There's so many things on your computers that you don't ever use. You don't ever look at. So you should just get rid of it. Just get rid of it. There's so many emails from so many places that you get inundated by, you should unsubscribe. You don't have to get those emails anymore. Like, turn it off. Be done with it. Clean things out. There's a book I'll recommend to you. It's called Digital Minimalism by a guy named Cal Newport. Uh, Kevin quoted him yesterday. I'm not saying that he's a Christian. I'm just saying that he's wise when it comes to these kinds of things. Less sometimes helps us to recognize that the things that do come to our lives can matter. So clean out, delete, unsubscribe. All right, last but not least, how do we trust in the Lord with all your heart? How do we lean not on your understanding? What is it gonna look like practically to not be wise in our own eyes, but to instead fear the Lord in all our ways, acknowledging him when we're in the digital space? Commit to positivity. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Like, do you understand? Like, that's not a verse that needs to be explained. 
Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. We think that because we have social media and because we have texts and because we have Snapchat, because we have things that seem uh, permeable and not real, that we don't really have to think about or weigh the words that we say, God tells us you will stand and give an account for every idle word that you speak, whether it's through your hands, on a keyboard, or out of your mouth. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. You can be confident. You can have conviction. You can stand on the truth. You never have a good reason to be unkind. Ever. To the people in this room, to the people in the world, you never have a reason to be unkind. Well, he said nothing. Nothing can be said that will make me say, oh yeah, you should have been unkind to him. Well, she says this to me, nothing she has said. Nothing, nothing she has said. It could be the most heinous, sinful, racist, awful thing that you can imagine in your mind. If they spew that poison at you, it is not a good reason to be unkind. How we talk to one another is heard. I know that you know that, but listen to what I'm saying. How you, how you talk to one another is heard, and it's heard by more than you think. And it lasts longer than you think. So commit to being positive. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. On the flip side, if you see something worthy of praise, if you see something in a brother or a sister that's honorable, that's noble, that's good, that's right, that's true, that's pure, that's, pure, that's beautiful, make mention of it. Say, so I saw how you dealt with that person on the internet the other day in that group text. They were being really unkind and you were so gracious to them. Thank you. That was awesome. We can commit to being positive. That's a, that's a habit, not just a digital habit, but a habit for life that we need to cultivate. All right, we are out of time. We need to go. I want to pray for you. Let me give you some instructions, okay?